0: Hey, what's up, guys? Today, we're going to talk about the Truth About Real Estate podcast. And today, our guest is John Fortes from the Fortes Company. He is a passive investor and a private equity director and also the podcast host of the Pastor Investive Show. Welcome, John. How's it going?
1: Hey, Matt. I'm grateful to be here, man. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, a lot of fun. I've been meaning to talk to you for quite a bit of time. I see you doing a lot in the real estate syndication space. So what's going on?
1: Not that much, man. I remember we, what, connected last year, right? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while, man. So a lot's been happening since since then, man. I've just been, um, you know, COVID happened. We all yep. know that, right? <laughs> um, in case you're listening to this in the future, we're still in the middle of all of that. But um, since then, I've been ramping up operations, investor portals, onboarding investors, and the podcast, you know, about that, the Passive Investor Show, that's been coming up on a year actually we did um to date 100 episodes we we celebrate every small victory every time we hit a 50 or 100 episode we celebrate that and for instance the way I celebrated this time is I answered some questions on that recent on that uh, latest podcast that a lot of people ask me how do I start a podcast what's what's the incentive what's the what is it worth it so I answered some of those questions and I gave, my um, honest feedback on that about my learning experience as i started the podcast about a year ago
0: nice 100 episodes that's a lot of episodes and takes a lot of time to get to 100 episodes and i'm sure you learn a lot from that too i think the benefit of podcasting is becomes exponential and you're growing a wide global audience from that podcast you want to tell us more about the podcast how did you get started in the podcast
1: well <laughs> that's a funny question so a lot of colleagues of mine were like john start a podcast on a podcast and i was like i don't want it to be similar to every real estate investing podcast no offense to of them, it's just i didn't want to be the same thing right i didn't i didn't know what to offer I, I go on a five mile six mile run mile three i say how come i haven't heard a podcast about passive investing and i just kind of went down that rabbit hole And it just came to me, the passive investor show. At that point, I just couldn't wait to get home. I was already, I had already turned around to come home. And, you know, by the time I hit mile five, six, I was home. And I was like in my journal, in my idea book, just writing it down. This is what the layout would look like. I didn't even have the formula, the the question formula yet. I just said, this is what it's going to be. And then I started putting together the artwork. And then I started putting together, um, getting approved on all the different channels, syndicated it. Uh, through all these uh, channels, and then I used Libsyn, and I said, "All right, I'm just gonna start it." I didn't have a set of questions that literally came. If you listen to episode one to now, this I have a standard group of questions that really benefit the passive investing experience. And the whole idea and concept of it from day one was the the concept of how how does the syndication model and multifamily benefit the passive investor, meaning the limited investor. We drop terminology. We have quick hitter podcasts that are really, really quick. I wanted my podcast to be uh, digestible. Um, My my target audience is basically working professionals that have an interest of real estate, but don't want to be the owner or the landlord. Syndication provides that vehicle. Also, a fund of fund provides that vehicle. It depends on what kind of investing you're looking for. Are you looking for one-off investments to go and place capital in? Are you looking to place capital in a fund and the fund goes and makes those investments diversified into many multifamily uh, acquisitions? So investments, but um, it all depends on what you're looking for. And I want it to be the audio experience for the passive investor. So that's kind of how it started and how it's basically become today.
0: Nice, and it's kind of nice to have some quick hitters too, because the fact is, yeah, people are busy, and not as many people are driving nowadays, so it's harder to listen to podcasts in a full stream. Uh, everyone's breaking everything up, but if you can get a quick hitter in, then they can cap, um, like understand quickly that acronym, that information, what the terminology is for that uh, type of property, and kind of just digest it in, so they can think more about it, and then go on to your next episode. And I'm sure a lot of people are just, you know, listening to multiples at a time if they have the time. Like our show is like around an hour long, but we understand that this is not going to be played in one sitting here. it's gonna be streamed throughout and then later cut up, but that helps just create dialogue and have these conversations like with you, for example, talking about real estate real estate syndication, understanding everything, and then even for me, I go back and watch YouTube so I just go through the whole series and just watch it when I have time, you know when the kids are sleeping, things like that right
1: absolutely the The quick hitters are literally designed to be just that right the quick hidden information 30,000 for overview of everything and meant for you to go and explore deeper if you're really interested so what we do is we 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 have a formula so we we explain what it is say it's a terminology and we say what the definition is and then we use it as an example and that is the episode that's it that's usually our Thursday episodes if it isn't a quick hitter it's an investor 101 um, it's basically a series that I do every now and then about the pa- the passive investment experience. So it, it might something catch my attention uh, that I'm talking to an investor, and I'm like, you know what? It might be easier for people to understand this process or this line of questioning or or something like that. So investor one-on-one, it might be how to ask what questions to ask a sponsor, right? And we'll we'll go through probably about four or five of them, and we'll tell you why. But it's just little things like that. But yeah, that's the Investor 101 series. But also on the website, I have a investor uh, resource page where it's just all videos and stuff like that in regards with my with my guests, with my previous guests. And what I do is I cut it up with basically, Matt, if we're having this conversation and there was something really, really uh, like powerful that I thought I would cut that. Maybe it took like four minutes of me asking a question and you answering I would cut it up and put it on my, on my website just as that clip. So if you go to it, there's a bunch of clips and they're all labeled accordingly to maybe it's about self-directed IRA, right? Um, people people might have a question like, what's the average amount that people uh, roll over into a self-directed IRA? It's a have asked that question to a custodian. So you can go and find that clip and be able to hear it when what? It might be three minutes answer, five minute answer. And it's just another pay, another way for for me to educate investors. But another thing too is, some of those clips, the podcast haven't even aired yet. I have inve- I have a podcast recorded that are scheduled to go. Uh, like I'm seventeen weeks out right now. Wow! And some of those clips, I found it very very powerful that I couldn't wait for it to get out, but when they do air, the link will be there for the original podcast. So it's just kind of not so much a tease, but I, I love the information so much that I thought it was beneficial to be able to have it out there.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like um, even for us, when you notice there's so many good clips out there, you just don't want to wait. You want to push it out. So like even for us, we've been doing one to two a week uh, just because there's so much time nowadays to start building content and hopefully people are listening, but you want to get out that information as quickly as possible so that way people can find out more about you, people can learn more about real estate syndication, it helps uh, answer those questions people always ask you. You're building basically like Gary Vanderchuk says, you're building like a search engine on your platform. Your search engine is the fact that they can listen to your show, digest all these you know, quick hitters that are basically FAQs. And it helps your audience understand more about you, what you're doing, about the syndication. And it saves you time actually too. And they get to learn about you and know more about you. So that's actually a great thing to do. And I think I find that really valuable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned FAQs. If you go... <laughs> feel like I just talking about the page, the website, but on the website, (laughs) um, FAQs, right. I, I go to everybody's website and it's all text. Yeah. And I, I'm an audio guy. I'm starting to do a little bit more videos. So what's funny is when I was building up the website, there were certain things that I knew the question, the answer would be a little bit more detailed because it's, you know, frequently asked questions that, uh, people usually ask me, investors usually come and ask me, so I answered some of them that are it, nothing's a minute long, but in text it would be um, pretty lengthy, right? Like think about it in word, you know, if you were to write it down. But what I did was I I answered some of those questions in an um, in audio form. So you just hit play, and basically you hear me answer the question. So it, it, it's 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 kind of different, but I thought hey, it was the easiest way for me to do it. The, the hardest part was literally, I had already probably talked about it on the podcast and I just clipped it and boom.
0: Exactly. I find that's actually the best way right now to provide a lot of value and education to coach and train people. I think the easiest way is just doing quick video, um, audio, and then if you want to transcribe it into uh, you know text, but at the same time, a lot of people are busy with that and it's hard to you know sit there and write text and just write for that long because you know it's time consuming to write. It takes a lot more time to make it a quick hitter. Uh, so let's actually do this. so we're gonna you know jump into real estate and talk about real estate syndication, but before we do that, I actually wanna play a little uh clip right here if right, I give me one second. Let me know if you can hear this
1: oh man <laughs> I cannot hear it.
0: Oh, you cannot hear it. Dang. Okay. So basically, guys, when you're out there, go to johnfortes.com and click on podcast. You'll see here, there's like 100 episodes already. And it talks has a lot of great podcasts, a lot of great FAQs, learning about real estate, multifamily syndication. And you can even see other guest speakers, you know, Gina Barbaro, um, a lot of other syndicators out there, Gene Tobridge, who's a real estate syndication lawyer and many more you'll see on here and it's a great way to learn more about syndication you can also check out our podcast as well we're talking a lot about real estate investing syndication and meeting a lot of great speakers and syndicators just like john so let's go back then okay so what is real estate syndication anyways
1: yeah basically it's a it's a pooling of capital to go and purchase a you know a a business right so in this case it's real estate what we'll do is there'll be a general partnership where they're the operators and they have the experience, the know-how, um, the build, the business plan of what to do when they uh, acquire an asset. And then the limited partners are those who are just silent partners. They're private and they're just placing their capital to, as a limited partner, passive investor is what we call them on our show. Uh, they're a limited partner. They're placing their capital in an investment, and next thing you know, they're part of the the plan. But they're just hands off. They're just they're just literally just following along with the progress and status updates of the investment. So basically, there's two ownerships. There's the general partner who is active and gonna maintain and operate the the asset, and then the silent partner who is the limited partner, and they come together and they form a syndication, and then purchase a building
0: i know a lot of people like in real estate life and you know like real estate agents and everything they talk about partnering together but usually they try to form like a joint venture and joint venture is completely different from real estate syndication and the legalities behind it i think some joint ventures are actually syndications and they should be qualified as a syndication but they're actually JVing it still and i you know i kind of like let them know hey you guys should talk to your real estate lawyer to think about that of what you're doing why do people jv or why do people go into syndication instead of a jv
1: Well, the syndication is the, if you, I'm not a lawyer, but if you're offering a security with someone that is just putting the money up, that's considered, uh, basically don't take my word for it. Please consult with an attorney. I am not a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. But for instance, if, if Matt, you have a million dollars and I have the deal, but I tell you Matt, Matt, I, you know, I just need like 600,000 and we'll, we'll take this deal down and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh great, go do it and give me the return. Literally, that's a security in my book, in my eyes. I just wanna make sure that we are on the same page and I might have to go and form a syndication because I'm offering you a security and because of the fact that you're hands off, you're not active. You might just be like, I don't want nothing to do with it. Just go and make me money, right? That, that's that's basically it. If you're hands off and you have nothing to do with the asset other than funding it and you're just reaping in the returns, that to my understanding is uh, offering a security because you probably saw and looked at the returns and said, I like the returns on this. I like this. I like that, uh, you know, and all of that. So basically you want to just make sure you're doing it right. And that's literally the highest, highest level explanation of it. And obviously if you consult with an attorney, you can get a better refined understanding of it
0: yeah so you know guys out there always speak to your syndication real estate attorney they are different than just normal real estate attorneys you want a, a lawyer who focuses on purely syndicationist so that they can understand and guide you on you know the differences between a jV joint venture versus a syndication but for the most part you want to understand your operator like under operators like john um sarah jung and others you know out there that are doing this all full time and they're working on helping you know passive investors grow you can be a active investor or a passive investor but there's a difference between it and that's why a lot of people do jump over to real estate syndication because you can work with multiple operators multiple properties multiple locations and build your you know your passive income and have less worry less stress why do people go into passive income anyways john
1: well there's a few in my experience investors either preserving their wealth um, hedging against inflation there it, it's just tons of reasons there's no one reason for because my reason might be different from yours right mm-hmm. mine is my main reason for investing is I'm trying to like my my game is I'm a sports guy I look things in in sports analogies is if I don't invest my money inflation is up one nothing right inflation beats me because if I don't invest, that's where you know I lose money. I lose the value of money. I act like my money's locked in a vault, and I, I play this game. If my money was locked in a vault and I open it up, say I had ten thousand locked in a vault vault, and I open it up ten year, ten years from now, that's still ten thousand. It's not actual value of ten thousand though. It lost value. Like I wouldn't be able to buy the same things ten thousand would allow me to buy ten years ago, right? Mm. So that's what I that's what I mean. So. My game is I'm trying to beat inflation and the numbers after that. Obviously, I'm looking for cash flow. That's another thing. One of my criterias is inflation. Am I beating it? Cash flow. All right. And now everything else to me is gravy. I look for basically singles and doubles. I'm not trying to hit home runs. And that's all. I'm trying to do my best at beating inflation. And my motto is beating inflation 1% at a time. That's all. But other investors, it might be, you know, it, it might be a tax benefit for them. They make too much money and they're getting taxed. So they need to create some passive streams of income that are mitigated against tax because they're getting K-1s because they're getting a depreciation from the asset in real estate. That's the value of real estate. Um they also might want the cash flow or they might want a uh, wealth preservation or they just might want the yield. They just might want to be diversified from the stock market. You know, I don't bash the stock market. I know people invest in it. I like, I like, I like the fact that they, they, they are diversified in all markets. And if, hey, if you can invest in the stock market and you're doing successful, great, awesome. I'm not that good. That's it. That's it. I'm not that good at the stock market. I invest in what I know and I invest in what I understand. I really understand real estate and that's how I go. So I think that's, for... that's, that's, an answer, that's an answer probably more personal than uh, a broader you know, retrospective. There's many facets of why people invest.
0: I think, yeah, it is true. It is a personal preference, but at the same time, I think a lot of people feel the way you do too, because for example, if you go to stock markets, and I'm not a stockbroker, but for example... You have to learn about a lot of different companies and you don't understand. You don't get to see the inside and outside of a company. You don't fully understand it. We're not inside, right? And you have to trust the stockbrokers to help you manage your property. And for them, when they're looking at multiple properties, they might look at one segment, but. It's still volatile. You don't know the ins and outs of a financially in the company. You're just trusting what your gut is telling you and your predictions, and hopefully the predictions are good. Right now, the stock market is going crazy. I see, you know, like I wish I bought Tesla at three hundred when it dropped like a couple months ago, and it went to fifteen hundred. Right? Who would have known? Our company was at six dollars and went to twenty one dollars. A lot of people didn't think that would happen, and it just is blowing up right now. It's it's our products and uh, what we offer is a lot. But no one knows. But in real estate, the, the way I feel about real estate is that it's a hard asset. I can physically see, touch it, feel it. I know the numbers. I can look at the property. I can put really good numbers on a property, the vacancy, the maintenance costs. You can find out details about the cost if you wanted to, as, and it, you can, you know, go from there. You can look at the market and see how the market is moving around. But in stocks is a little different here. But the one thing I like about real estate, and you know, Michael Blanc talked about it, and he has a report on it. But the fact is, like, real estate has tax benefits, and when you speak to your CPA about it, you get K ones, and you can use that K ones and have depreciation on a property. And overall, those valuations and numbers and the tax benefits is substantial, and it's passive, meaning that you gain residual recurring income. And you can get that monthly, quarterly, if you're in a syndication or yearly and keep growing. And when you sell the property, hopefully you're gaining equity. You can't do that the same in stocks. You know, it's just different. So that feeling is, you know, something that's why a lot of companies are investing in real estate as well in in their portfolio, right?
1: Well, if you think about it, right, the biggest passive investor in the stock market, and we all know him, is Warren Buffett. Yeah. When he takes over a company, He does not go sit at this as the CEO. He he's not, he doesn't make ice cream or sell insurance or whatever other business that he has, he doesn't do all of that. He just owns a big percentage of it and someone else operates it. And he has someone competent operating it. So that tells me invest in operators, right? The stock market, all it taught me was invest in respected, producing knowledgeable operators, that's it. And that's the same thing when you're invested in syndication, you just take that mindset and, and invest with a, a proven operator.
0: You're right, because you think about it too, and people actually talked about investment operators and I forgot who said it, like one of the big celebrities said it, like if you look at it and you look at stocks, for example, who are they investing in? They're not investing in the company directly, they're indirectly investing in Elon Musk in um, you know, all the companies out there, Steve Jobs, Apple, right, and Amazon, And they're going for the long game of it. And they understand the long game, but they're investing heavily in the operator and they're believing in their trust and knowledge to get there and they're hitting it, you know, if you don't understand the operator, you're not going to win.
1: That's it. That's why, uh, the stock market, for instance, if they named Coca-Cola, this is my biggest analogy. If someone at Coca-Cola named, uh, let's just say Jason Smith was appointed CEO and the market's like, oh my gosh, he came from X company and it was ran terrible the market might drop and i might not know that i might not even know who the guy is right and then all of a sudden they might name Catherine smith and then next thing you know Catherine smith is freaking phenomenal runs the operations awesome and then the stock market is just i mean the stock price is just soaring so it tells you invest in operators
0: that's true so going back to the real estate syndication how do you even find operators anyways
1: great question great question so it depends. Are you, are you going to conferences? That's the, that's the fastest way. Um, Google searches, uh, real estate forums like BiggerPockets. There'll be a few out there. Um, it's just you might come across them because you might see a, 50, a, reg, a reg D 506C where, where it's an advertisement and you might go and explore and find out that this company is a real estate company. So you might want to explore and who the people are. Um, it all depends, man. It, it, you know, online they're everywhere. Then it's not like it's a secret space in the world where you can't find that. They're, they're everywhere. If you if you if you're looking for something, you're gonna find it, right? So, real estate investing in syndications, uh, Google, and, and and just do your best on basically learning about the operators.
0: I think one thing too for learning about operators is, for example, look at operators like you, like Sarah, like others who are actively educating the real estate space, uh, people who want to passively invest, providing value. Providing massive value actually equates to them wanting to learn more, to become involved and to trust you because you're providing that value for free and you're showing them that you're doing your best you can to learn and to teach and by doing both sides of it you're building really great trust really quickly so that investors want to work with you rather than hey i just see a fancy website and i don't know anything about you how do i trust that i can't trust that off the bat just by looking at a fancy website right and Ask i need to some more
1: network get on the phone with the sponsor um i tell people trust your gut on the on the passive investor show i say trust your gut your gut never sh- like for instance if me and my wife are making a decision and I feel 50% and my wife feels completely off. I, I trust her intuition. Her intuition has like saved us a lot of time, money, and 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 yeah, time and money. So I trust her a lot when, when we're like praying on something and 50-50 about something. If she's like ah, because she knows when I'm learning about something, I go all in and I'm finding out everything. Matt, if I'm if I'm doing the background check on you to see if I'm gonna invest. Uh, Fifty to to 100000 in a deal with you, my goal is to learn everything there is about you. I'm going to even get on the phone and and talk to you. I want to know, I'm going to ask you certain questions. I'm going to ask you, you know, sponsor questions. I'm going to ask you character questions. I'm going to ask you um, just your family questions. I want to know more about you, right? But also I want to know about how you are as a business person and as, as a person. But also I'm going to Google the hell out of you <laughs> I'm going to find out if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on social media, I'll, I'll find out. I'm going to do as much research as possible. But here's the thing. I might not invest in your first deal. You might show me your first deal once we get acquainted and I might not invest. I might want to see what the process is like. And I tell all my investors don't invest in the first deal. And they might say, why? I had an investor just tell me recently, I said, this past week, and I was talking to a new investor, I said, I don't want you to invest in the first deal. He goes, Why? Why do you say that? I was like, Well, I just like the people to see, I like my investors to see the process, get used to it, get familiar. Usually, I I work with a lot of first time investors. And that's, that's one thing that I usually say. And um, he's like, Well, I need to I need to learn by by doing so I was like, if you're comfortable, that's all I'm saying. But you know, I, I don't advise to invest in the first deal or not to invest in the first deal. At the end of the day, it's all about investor confidence. If you have the confidence, once you learn about the sponsor, you got there for a reason, believe in your abilities and believe in your strategy and your reasoning, and and understand that you're you're doing it for the long game. You're not doing it for a quick buck, right? So anything that seems like too good to be true, Obviously it isn't. We hear that over and over in our lives, in our lifespan, in our lifestyle, in our whole lives. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's so true because anything worth having takes time.
0: It does. And you're right. You know, for example, when you look at investing in real estate and multifamily investing, period, and syndication, you you need to understand, you need to Google, you need to look at everything you can to find about them, about the property, about the market, Um, do your due diligence and your research because once you understand more, you're creating more confidence and you're learning to to either trust or not trust using your gut feeling and education to say, hey, this might be a great sponsor. I'm interested. I want to learn more. I think he or she is choosing the right market. I think that market is doing good or bad. I think the jobs there are doing good or bad. I think the local economy, the um, COVID, things like that. And then you look deeper like, hey, how's the jobs? How's the vacancy factor? What's changing in the next five years? What companies are moving in or out? Where's Tesla going, for example? Where's Amazon going? Then you start understanding and how the markets are. How are the colleges? How's the you know, growth, net migration, like people moving in or out? Are they moving out of California to another state like Texas or other ones? The more you can learn about it, the more you can understand and feel confident that you're working with the right operator. If you talk to an operator who doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't know the market or can't tell you and explain it to you, or doesn't want to have a deep conversation to guide you and to show you that here's why you can trust them to build an investment, then it gets harder to say, hey, I want to work with you, right? Like for me, I'm actually active and passive. So passively, I am investing to multiple syndications right now. The reason I do that and I choose operators just like John is because one is that I want to be in multiple locations. Every syndicator is not in the same location. They're in different places. One is either they have boots on the ground, they have experience, they grew up there, they live there, they believe in that market, and they see what's going on, and they're working with good operators. So when you're passively investing, you don't need to work with one operator. You can work with 100. It Just who do you trust? Who do you, who do you like? Who's proving real results for you over time? Not in the first day, but over time, who's proving the results for you? They might not always hit everyone home run. They might do like you know first base, second base, and keep going from their quick hitters. Um, with that in mind, you can actually learn about how they operate. You can learn about the markets. You can learn about syndication and you can grow differently and reduce your risk. so so far i'm already in three syndications um, you know florida north carolina and another state right and they're doing pretty well they're all different the numbers are different but my risk is less and overall it's still better than just actively investing in certain areas where your price is super high
1: that's awesome uh, congratulations on being uh, diversified in three different markets that's that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, you know, it, it's honorable when you're taking control of your finances and doing things like that because you're, you're thinking long-term and you're thinking for the future. Uh, you're setting your family up for, for, for great things, right? So at the end of the day, you're going to teach your kids something about this in the, uh, growing up because at the end of the day, I didn't have advantages and opportunities like this growing up. I wish I had someone to guide me. So you being able to already be in a position to be able to tell your kids later on that that already is a win for you just by investing in one deal, right? So now you get the experience and you get to share how that goes with your with your loved ones growing up. And it's it's a different way of life teaching kids and friends and family about investing because it's a life-changing thing. If you do it correctly and you know, by just taking control of your finances and setting it up and paying off your debt and all of that and, and setting yourself up everybody at the end of the day could live financially free if they really really focused on you know creating passive income and understanding the business model and that's why i'm truly passionate about it it's just a it's a different way of life and a different way of thinking when you're when you're lining things up for the future as opposed to living in consumption
0: you're right and you know like i think warren buffett said like everyone needs like 12 to 14 streams of income they can't just rely on one stream of income meaning your primary job right because what happens when like covid hits and you lose your job and you're, you can. it's really hard and tough and you're going to go through that stress to go find another job and to make that happen. So the fact is that if you can start learning to invest, learning where to invest, who to invest with, and start at lower numbers if you need to, and just keep building it and build multiple streams so that you're reducing risk. But when you can build 12 to 14, and I don't have 12 to 14, but if you can build it, then it becomes easier to start becoming um passive start having a retirement plan exit strategy so you can have more fun because i think you have more fun when you have less worry right you can enjoy you do your passionate job uh, things you want to do and build like this
1: absolutely man it 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 starts to compound and when it starts to compound and you start seeing the benefits of oh man i could be a little bit more hands-off with my job and take less hours right i i don't have to work all that overtime. I don't have to do all of this. Or I can spend a lot more time with my family making a lot more meaningful memories because you have maybe an excess amount of cash that you're already growing. You planted the tree and it's growing and you can go ahead and do that vacation, that, that once in a lifetime experience with your family. Um, it's just little things like that. It's just, it takes time to get there. Nothing happens overnight. It's just, you gotta put yourself in position from day one to be able to do that.
0: So creating a freedom of choice, then, that's, I think, one of Michael Blanc's big things like, you know, uh, financial freedom, right? And the financial freedom is basically, you know, creating these multiple streams of passive income. It doesn't all have to be real estate. It can be real estate, stocks, other dividends, other assets, and multiple things. But as long as you can keep building, and there's some young people right now who are building, you know, YouTube streams. And they're building other um, platforms, Patreon and things like that. But they're building massive passive income, and they know it, and it's growing. And that's just one of many. If, imagine if you only got $300, $500 from one, but you had 10 of those. Wouldn't an extra 5000 plus help you a lot for most people, you know? Just having it as a side know right?
1: Just think about that. Like just think about if you're getting five thousand a month just because you created something or you took the step. And maybe you maybe your friends and family don't understand it at the time, but you 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 took the time to understand it, learn and and do it. That literally sets you apart because when it comes to money, at the end of the day, when it comes to money, growing up, we're trained to think differently. We're trained to think save it, keep it, put it under the mattress or whatever, right? Just, but when when you're growing up in a, a family that is already used to investing, you're already 10 steps ahead of the game. Instead of walking out of the house, you know, zero, zero, you're walking down, you're, you're already down 20, right? As far as financing, because now you have to go and learn that. You have to change your mindset and you have to become that person that is, you know, more financially sound, makes better uh, business decisions. And when you take the the equation of thinking about it as money and start thinking it more as investing and, uh, you know, finances control, controlling your finances, it it, it makes your decisions a little bit easier to justify. Like, Hey, not everybody thinks like me, you you know, you read a bunch of mindset books, you get yourself there, you build yourself there. And now you got to trust yourself because you put yourself in the best position available for you at the time, because, you know, we don't have the luxury of living in, in hindsight, right? We, we can only live in hindsight in that moment of hindsight, right? So as complicated as that sounds is if we all had hindsight in the beginning, everything would be easier and we'd be handling things a lot more easier, right? We'd be able to navigate the waters, but you got to go and learn it and, and trust in yourself and have that confidence to be able to do it yourself. If you don't, then you're going to be living like everybody else. So I'd rather live like no one else, now to live like no one else later and that's the that's dave ramsey's that's dave ramsey's line but you know it has so much true meaning when you really break it down
0: i think all those leaders out there like dave ramsey gary vandercheck and all those they think the same way where you know they're putting the head down they're getting things done they're looking at the future and they're you know, taking risk and predicting what they can do. And they're working, they're grinding really hard to make it happen and believe in it really and passionate. So that creates the connection. And in the end of it, they'll get it, right? Because they're the ones doing it. And p- investing is a it's a big mindset too, because Everyone works and makes money, but at the same time, who sits there and thinks about how to passively invest, how to take risk, how to learn more about which avenues they should invest in and trust their gut to let go and do it? The hardest part is executing and doing it. But if you can just take small little chunks and get that part going and slowly invest, like when you're doing um, real estate syndication... The minimum buy-ins are not always like you know fifty thousand hundred thousand there has been some that are less and there's some that are a lot more but if you can learn research your operators you can find in like i did one small one on purpose like for um, Grant cardone he let one go for five thousand and he goes this is on purpose this one syndication is, is for the masses i want everyone to just see what i do how i do it and why i do it you can start with five thousand or you can put a lot more you know i jumped in and the reason i jumped in is because i want to see how he does his thing all his um, his live events all the information inside the ppms the the legal documents that has more value to me than $5000 cuz i can just see what he's doing and watch how he's growing and the other indicators as well different markets that i can believe in and you know things i want to invest in But by doing that, I'm taking my risk. I'm learning. I'm trusting them that they're good operators and, you know, learning all about them, seeing their events and how they speak to investors. And otherly, passively, like, you know, I created my own Avant University School for online education for real estate, marketing, sales and tech. And even in the last, like, I would say like last five months, I built it for myself. I built it for my team. And there's already like 110 students in there. And that's nice because they're not all my all my all my agents, and it's growing passively every month. It's it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every week. I see new sales coming in. And Congratulations, man!
1: That's it's awesome.
0: fun. It's like another passive stream. So it's not real estate syndication. It is real estate and education, right? But that's a separate stream that could quickly add value. But at the same time, the main benefit is educating everyone out there that of what you know and do. That's
1: awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So. It's, um, the, the, the busy working professional, uh, like you said, you said something like a, along the lines of no one knows to, to passively invest. They just know to invest. Right. Mm-hmm. So hands-off investing is more, um, it's more of, you know, investing with sponsors, right? Investing in operators. You, you kind of, we kind of already do that naturally when we do it with our 401ks, right? So someone else is managing that account and making the investments and, uh, with the 401k. So we just throw money into it every, every week or every month or whatever you get paid. At the end of the day, someone's managing that. Now, if you take another step into the real estate world, you're investing with the sponsor there. They got the experience, the know-how, and uh, they just, you know, they got the deals and now you're investing with them. And maybe uh, we practice this first investors, 50,000 minimum. And then Every deal after that is twenty five thousand, uh, the minimum for them. The first time though is the fifty thousand. It's just um, that's just been our pro- policy and our model going forward. That's how we we've adapted and and and, and seen things. There's reason behind that. Some people come with a, a big chunk of change and they want to be diversified and they don't want to throw it all into one deal. So they might put a hundred thousand in one and maybe want to put seventy five in another. Might want to put twenty five in another. It's just every every deal is different right they like different opportunities for different reasons but also uh when they're when they're 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 busy professionals so matt if you was a doctor i wouldn't want you to not be a doctor especially right now right (laughs) like we need doctors covid we need doctors now if your intent is to one day build enough cash of uh, cash flow and passive income to one day leave your practice because you're maybe getting up there in age or something like that. Or maybe your intent is you really love being a doctor, but you make a ton of money and you'd rather preserve it, grow it, build it, or you're getting taxed, right? Or you just wanna create another stream of income to pay down your school loans. Whatever it is, whatever your decision is, understand this, the world needs you as a profession if everybody became a you know active investor we would have no professionals every high net worth individual became a a active investor we would have no real professionals to lead us and make changes and technology breaks and you know doctors operations and surgeries and taking care of us and we, we wouldn't have it have them anymore so you know, there's a need for people like us that create these opportunities for people that like, like them that are really good at doing what they do. And, you know, that's their day day job and they love it and they really, really appreciate doing it. So, you know, the world needs them just as much as the world needs people like us. So that's what I like to say to passive investors saying, you know, thank you for doing what you do because, you know, the world needs people like you. So passive investing goes hand in hand as long as you're, you know, looking for the right reasons to do it if you look if you have the right reasons to do it you know just but by all means but if your goal is to one day you know be active and go and be a landlord somewhere sitting on a beach or whatever whatever your lifestyle is you know you know i can't i can't who am i to tell you no man that's your goal i love it i, do it. I hope you achieve it so you know, hope everybody does it. things differently
0: It is. And like, for example, for me, I started real estate when I was 24. I actually bought my first San Francisco house when I was 24, 25 and started investing in real estate. And that's how I got into real estate. And it wasn't easy. I took the risk, but I came from an IT tech background just like you did. And I... I calculated numbers in my head, even though I was 25, Right, doing it. I'm like, hmm, can I make this work? And why am I even looking at this? I'm 25. I should be enjoying life and partying. But I was like, let me take a look at that. And I just started reading about real estate investing and looking at the markets and said, hey, the numbers actually make sense. My first house was 6.25% interest rate. That's huge. Right now it's like 2.75, 3.25, and people are complaining about it. (laughs) I'm like, but of course, the price is completely different. And I understand that. And that wasn't that long ago. You know, don't get me wrong, it's not that long ago. But the fact is, if you can make the numbers work for you and the numbers make sense, you can actively invest, but there's still a lot of work to be done. But given that point, how much money do you need to down pay to make that happen? And if you're starting and you're just starting from scratch, then passive investing is one way to go when you find the right operators who you can get into because you can also go into multiple markets. So you're diversified there. If one market's super hot, you can go to another market where it's growing. If one market's going down and your other market's going up, then you're at a good balance, right? And you can learn about multiple markets quickly that way. So I think it's safer uh, to have multiples, active and passively. And you learn a lot quicker from doing both. Uh, active is fun. You make a lot of money doing active, but it's not easy. And you have to have time to do that. So, like being an active real estate agent and a broker and having a team of 24 takes a lot of work. And we do find good deals. We help investors make really good money. And we help them also passively invest now as well. So they can have multi units in San Francisco, but they can have multi units out of state, and the you know the numbers are completely different, the price points are completely different, and um, but they understand that and the risk is different, right? So it's fun that way.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I like seeing the houses, the multi-units in San Francisco, because I actually specialize in multi-units, 1031 exchanges, but seeing them grow really quickly from, you know, like a million to four million, three million, 3 yeah. million. And based on all the same numbers, same principles, the equity is here in San Francisco. The equity is here, but the risk and the tolerance is a lot different. Yep. Yeah, being in a rent control state, or pretty much a state now, rent control state, dealing with policies that don't make sense all the time. Is frustrating, but the numbers are still here, even if the rental market is dropping right now a little bit, it, the density here is so dense that it's hard to go anywhere anyways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's different strategies to uh, basically complete your business plan. For instance, uh, we look for value add, right? We look for value add opportunities and you know, value add doesn't necessarily mean we're buying 100 units and we're going to renovate all 100 units. It might be only 45 units need to be renovated, right? Great. That's a great opportunity. You know, we're, we're going to um, capture that upside. But also, you know, that's in the, the states that we, we uh, invest in. We invest in landlord-friendly states. And, you know, that's one of our criteria But value-add opportunities, and then, um, then if, for instance, you mentioned rent control state in California, I believe New York is one too. Mm-hmm. There's ways that you might be able to go and capture value add, where, for instance, uh, you can't bump the rent up on someone in a rent control state, right? So, and plus, there there might be a cap too, right? Mm-hmm. But my lawyer might be able to go and offer them x amount of money let's just say for the sake of the conversation every tenant i offer them uh ten thousand dollars to move out and maybe they're paying eight hundred dollars but i know i can get two thousand that might be worth it to on a 16 unit to offer four tenants ten thousand dollars to move out because that 40 grand i'm spending right there i'm gonna capture it all um as soon as I renovate and, and put in a new tenant at new market rate rent. So it, it might, it's a different business plan. It's more risk, definitely more risk because there's no guarantee that the tenant will take it at 10. They might negotiate and come back and say 15. You know what I mean? So you have to be able to project for all those different type of uh, situations and, and make sure you're using a lawyer involved too. So I know that there's different ways to tackle it out there for value add but it's all part of the game man you got to know like if if i didn't say that would you have known to do that maybe not pay cash for keys right but you know
0: there's so many ways to go about it and it all depends on the operators and their experience and their backgrounds by having a lot of knowledge in real estate you can understand different ways to do it or if the sponsor is educating themselves really quickly and understanding different ways and methods and how to work with people and make those numbers work. There's a lot of different ways to add value to properties. And going to that route, when you're adding property values, you know, you're know, you looking at different markets. When you add value, how much is that real value worth? And how much difference in equity are you building? Because imagine if you had 100 units and you just increased the rent by $100 per month, how much value are you quickly adding when you times that 100 times 100 units over time and you might not increase it all one day but you know the projected number it could it could be and the time to get there is tremendous right
1: absolutely I mean it, even going up one dollar it, mm-hmm. it, it, it draws the NOI so yeah I mean Matt we're part of the same group uh, you see me reply to people's underwriting on certain platforms and stuff like that and help them guide them to be a little bit more professional when it comes to underwriting an asset. Uh, in the beginning when when a new investor comes along there's more placeholders and kind of uh, guessing because they're not really understanding the the true value of the market. But when you dive in and you confirm your numbers with a PM, you confirm your numbers with the, with the construction costs, you confirm your numbers with contractors, that's when you really lock in. And the biggest thing that I see is people really don't lock down the tax information because the tax jump from the new, um, the new purchase price could could really turn your numbers upside down at the end of the day. So don't yeah. guess at that. You know you
0: have to look per county too, zip codes, counties. Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Not everyone,
0: not everyone knows that. Like I look at some uh, states and some counties, the percent of one county is like one percent versus another county is three percent. And that's a huge difference on a million-dollar purchase or a $5 million, $10 million purchase. That's a huge price difference, and that can hurt your cap rates, your NOIs really quickly. And you don't know until – hopefully, they know before they get into the deal, but not always, you know? Yeah. They don't realize that happens. Absolutely. How do you look at markets anyways? How do you um, go to choose a market?
1: Um, man, so how I decided Florida. So Florida, it, it checked the box. It was um, – Landlord friendly. Right. Um, and then from there, I started exploring like what markets do I want to be in? So is there a lot of big state uh, cities out there? For instance, I like Orlando. I like, I like the Brevard County area because it's the space coast, all the, all the space jobs are there. Um, Amazon's there with their space Tesla's there with their space program, SpaceX. Um, and then there's like a bunch of little small little space programs there too. And then you got Tampa. I, I like, it's just so, so much, so much out there. Right. So it all depends. so we look at anything from central Florida going up to pretty much Gainesville every now and then, every now and then we'll look at something from Tallahassee
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, if it makes sense, but it, that's really, really North of Florida. So it's um, it, it's just, you know, we, we we have a formula. We use um, metrics and systems, and moving people moving from the northeast, the north, the northeast coming down to Florida. Uh, Basic, I'm um, remind you, I'm based south of Boston right now, Boston, Massachusetts. So, yeah, one of my target markets is Florida. So, people flee from the the northeast to go to Florida, uh, young and old. It doesn't matter. Uh, the The growth and e- the economical growth there is. Literally, uh, last time I checked, it was a thousand people move there a day. And that, nice. was, that was like, uh, I don't know, six months ago, last time I checked. But every now and then we refine our criteria and go and look at the metrics of where the people are moving to. Why are they moving there? I try to stay out of places where there's a lot of hospitality. Um, I, I There has to be a good, good... Like tertiary markets, um, I like secondary markets. I like I like primary markets, but tertiary markets there has to be some incentive there. There you know, but um, it, it's little things like that. We look at a lot of things that probably a demographer would look at. So a demographer is a, a counting of people, and they study why they, for instance, you know Harley Davidson their sales have gone down. Why? It's because the John, gen- the, the generation of people that bought Harley Davidsons, didn't pass that down to their kids, right? Their kids and into other things. So it only makes sense that Harley Davison's sales will go down. So demographers look at things like that and they understand that every generation brings its different type of failure or aspect or anything. But uh, as far as renting, people are getting married later people are having kids later they're starting families later they're enjoying their life they're coming out of school with high debt and that's the sad part and you know it's it's transitioning into a renter's nation so there's a lot of numbers and metrics that fit everything um and yeah um one of my next steps as a as a company is to hire a demographer eventually or to contract one out and just really fine-tune those numbers according to uh, our research. So yeah, that's that's little things like that to understand which markets to invest in in the next 10 years. Um, that's the next step that we're going in.
0: That makes sense. And it's a great way to do it. Like, for example, if you have a Google Sheet, Airtable, things like that, where you can actually li- list out the states, list out the data, list out the numbers of you know net migrations, income growth, job growth, uh, companies that are there, companies, net, uh, people are moving in and out. Of that, and watch the trends and forecast every year, and look at the the way it's growing, and by understanding that too, like you look at other syndicators, where are they going? Why are they going there? What are they looking at that you might miss or not not see yet, or find out the opportunities? But there is a lot of um syndicators in Florida right now. Even Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone's heavily in Florida as well. He's in Naples and other states, other cities. Yeah, the- he's there.
1: more south, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's in a. Class A apartments south of South Florida. Yeah, he loves that. I mean, he's, he's pretty much uh, taken over that whole area. I don't go south. But yeah. South. It just doesn't make sense to pencil out i think the
0: numbers because of the the unit size because he's looking for like 400 500 units so it's completely different and you need that space to be there to get that size count and make it like you know really luxurious class a properties and other syndicators are looking at you know other normal areas where there's more um traffic more tourism more things like that to enjoy and the numbers make sense a lot of people looked at tennessee as well texas as well phoenix arizona um, and there's multiple other states you look at as secondary markets, all landlord, and friendly. Markets, all landlord friendly, uh, hopefully good tax rates on most of them. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Right? So like seeing this here, you can see where syndicators are going. Why are they going there? What the companies are doing? Like right now, Texas is even booming more because Amazon, Tesla, That's these companies right. are going to be staying around. The other companies are going down are completely different and hopefully not all will move out of the area. How's Tennessee doing anyways?
1: tennessee's been fine it's just uh we just sold our 41 unit from there It may uh we held it for about 18 months and it was it was it it was exactly what i like Uh, singles and doubles it's just cash flown steady consistently anytime i can talk anytime i can mention an asset as being boring that means it's singles and doubles it's doing exactly what we projected and everything so that's good I like boring. I can't. I can't overstate that. It's what the you know. It's what the type of investment I'm looking for. I'm looking for a nice boring investment. It doesn't need to be a home.
0: What do you think right now um, with COVID and everything going on? What do you think syndicators are doing and what's happening in the multi-unit space right now?
1: Uh, it, it all depends on who you at who you talk to. So, um, some are on hold, waiting for the next six months to shake out. Some are waiting for the next uh, stimulus round to shake out to see how that plays out. Um, Jobs are bringing people back slowly, but also uh, people are hiring, but people are taking their time going back. Um, But rent is being paid. So one of Maslow's laws is, you know, people buy food, shelter, and then clothing, right? or or it's like food, shelter and love, right? It's the top 3 things people look uh, seek to do or seek to seek for themselves, right? So if we're selfish, we're looking to make sure we're fed, clo- clothed, um I mean fed, sheltered and then at the end of the day we're looking for love, a companion, right? Um that's basically I, I shouldn't say it's selfish, but <laughs> you know what I mean, right? We yeah. you know, it's almost it's like what the, we need. Yeah, it's almost yeah, it's what we need, right? So mm-hmm. Uh, survival of the fittest i guess but um at the end of the day man it's uh everybody's just you know has their own different strategies if i find if i come across an opportunity right now that pencils out i'm gonna i'm gonna take it down um people have been taking it down the interest rates have been very very favorable so if lenders are still lending um that means the deal fits the deal really fits their criteria because they're they're their terms are a little bit more stringent right now so think about it as when we came out of 08 where the lending terms were really loose not that the lending terms were loose prior but they tightened it up after 08 that's how the effect of the lending came out came out after covid they tightened it up even though they were already um, pretty uh not I wouldn't say strict but they they you know the entry is not easy mm-hmm. right and yeah. i'm not trying to compare that the entry was easy like pre-08 right where everything was just here yeah you're approved you're approved it wasn't like that it's just there. when they tighten up they want to make sure that it's a safe investment as well so a lot, yeah. of people, a lot of passive investors don't realize this but the lender is the biggest partner in the deal so the lender and then it's the passive investors so that's how it is
0: that's good because there's also you can say there's a second pair of eyes on top on top of the team there's also another pair of eyes the lender and they're really stringent and they want to make sure that they believe in the the property they believe in the location they believe in the economy that it makes sense and with the risk factors involved that they're going to move forward with you as a partner to you and your investors uh to do that so you're getting an extra set of uh eyes to look at it and say yeah this actually still makes sense the numbers pencil out and you can go forward even with covid going on they're going to pencil out some number to make it work and a lot of syndicators actually, you know, being better on the numbers right now, being tighter, taking their risk into account even with it. But I think for the most part, a lot of renters are trying to pay rent. Hopefully they can pay rent or delay the rent a little bit. But knowing the fact that they're going to pay, um, for the most part, even for my syndications, I would say the most a majority wise, they're paying rent and they're getting good numbers still overall. And they it's better than they expect, right? You always take the worst case scenario right now. If you're buying right now, take the worst case scenario, but hopefully it pans out better than that. And there's some good deals to go on, too. Even uh, I think one of the syndications we got into, the syndicator operators were able to negotiate a big uh, price reduction based on COVID happening. And that number actually penciled out. And the rent projections were actually way better than they thought. So they hit, I would say, almost a home rent on that part of it because of the negotiation up front.
1: Yeah. Yeah, front, Yeah, a lot of it still has to play out, too. So. You know, it's, uh, anything can change over time. But yeah, yeah um, I, I spoke to one lender uh, as probably about three months ago uh, or two months ago. It, yeah, it was about two months ago. And they were literally saying they're shifting their focus to strictly multifamily. Yeah. Uh, they're not lending on anything else. So I, I found that pretty, uh, oh, all right. You guys, uh, you guys are just kind of just focusing on multifamily right now instead of like triple net and anything else
0: going on right now. I agree, and I think that's the safest bet, uh, multifamily, because in uh, commercial-wise, you don't need the commercial. You can get rid of it. You don't need office space. You don't need – people don't want to always go there. So I always heavily believe in multifamily first just because you need a place to live, and there's not that many places in the world to live, and the, the fact is our, the people are growing, the amount of people in the world are growing. They're going to need to live somewhere. So good. We're about to wrap up the show, but you know, I think we talked a lot today about a lot of great conversations, and you I know, definitely want to get you m- – to come back to talk again about more talk about in detail more about syndications multifamilies the operations how to make it work so i see a lot of podcast shows talk about the high level but they don't get into deep detail on how to make it work and how to go through all the headaches to get your first syndication going and go from that route and to do that i only saw i think one or, one or two actually t- started talking about it like hey let's show them what what it takes to become a real operator how to get into multifamily how to do it and i think that would be a fun topic to go through and just have fun, you know, discussing that and learning from each other. Um, but how can people actually reach out to you? What can we, you know, how can they learn more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to johnfortes.com. Um, and yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty quick with that. I like that. Um, the, the podcast is at passiveinvestorshow.com. Um, and, um, yeah, johnfortez.com has all my social media links. You can find all the social media links from there. Pretty active, almost on all the platforms. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Also, you can email me at uh, invest at johnfortez.com if you have any questions. Uh, I'd be happy to answer them. I'm always answering investor questions. I'm always, uh, you know, looking to help investors, and 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 that's it. But I'll, lastly, real quick, Matt. Go thanks. for it grateful for you having me on man i appreciate that thank you
0: i love it i think you provide a lot of value to our community everyone out there hopefully everyone sees it on you know facebook youtube our podcast um the truth about real estate and before we let you go like you know you're also a mentor moderator for michael blanc's uh syndication and the teams right
1: yeah i'm actually one of the advisors yeah so advisors the underwriting aspect of it so if you're if you have an SDA in your underwriting and you're learning how to use the tool, uh, there's a group of advisors out there that are already proficient at the tool, and you know we we overlook them when you upload it and you you fill out all the details about whatever you're 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 looking to acquire, and then we'll go through it and ch- kind of just give you some some feedback saying, Hey, you know, how'd you come across this? Uh, how'd you get to this number? This looks like a rule of thumb number. Um, where are you getting this number from and stuff like that, just to make sure you're my, my biggest thing is you don't want to hand off a business plan to the property management company. Who's gladly going to take your business, but willingly fail because you gave them unrealistic business plan because your numbers were not realistic. So. Just understand that any good PM will say, look, we can't meet these projections, or understand um, what the asset's doing down the street. If they're achieving the same thing that you're looking to achieve, you know, talk to the, to the PM who might be managing that asset and say, Hey, can we do this? Can we implement this business plan? So I push back a lot on you know refining your numbers and locking in and honing those numbers down to the last detail. And we already talked about taxes as well. So if you can lock in those numbers, you're, you know, I'm not there to green light it, but I'm, you know, there to help you gain that confidence as you continue to be uh, become proficient at the underwriting tool.
0: Perfect. So I appreciate that you, you know, definitely showing that you are a really good season operator. You know, your numbers, you know what to look for. You're helping other syndicators become better syndicators and you're providing just different analysis for them to make their own decision. But I appreciate that. And I look forward to seeing you soon in our upcoming podcast and just learn more about everything that's going on in the market. And thanks so much.
1: I appreciate you, Matt. Thank you cool. for having me. God bless.
0: Cool. Stay on for one minute. And for everyone else, check out our podcast at the truth about real estate on, po- all the Apple platforms, all the um, podcast platforms, and on YouTube, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks.